Listening to the FC Dallas Post Game Show, sponsored by Toyota. Another road game this week, another point for FC Dallas as the Texas Derby goes nil-nil today between FC Dallas and Houston Dynamo. That means El Capitan comes stays in Frisco. Copa Tejas goes to Austin. That one's not super fun, but Dallas at least stays in the playoff race with a much well-earned road point. It is the FC Dallas postgame show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, Toyota. Let's go places. Also brought to you by UMB Bank. See how UMB can help you achieve your business goals. Sam Haley, your host here, will be joined in just a moment by Owen Newkirk and Steve Davis as we break down a nil-nil draw in the Bayou City. Let's get you tonight's postgame stats. Normally we do highlights, but in a nil-nil draw we don't have any to do. So our postgame stats tonight brought to you by UMB Bank. Possession goes the way of the home team, 63 to 37. 17 shots for the Dynamo, 4 for Dallas, 5 on target for Houston, 2 for Dallas. 6 corners for the Dynamo, 2 for Dallas. Houston was offside 3 times, Dallas twice. 5 saves for Martin Poss, 3 tonight for Steve Clark. You had 12 fouls from Houston, 10 from Dallas. 4 yellow cards for Houston tonight. That goes to Ivan Franco. You've also got yellow cards from Hector Herrera, Teenage Hadebe, and I'm sure I'm missing one. There it is, Coco Kairskia. One yellow card for Dallas. That went to Nkosi Tafari. Three of those yellow cards for delay, whatever we want to call it. Kicking the ball away, which is just silly in general. No red cards tonight. But the most important stat is the one on the scoreboard. And that one reads, nil-nil, Dallas and Houston. As we bring in Owen Newkirk and Steve Davis. And we said on the pregame show, guys, or at least I asked, what was success for Dallas tonight? You both said a point at minimum. That is exactly what happened 90 minutes later. Do you feel like this was a success? Uh, I think the result was a begrudging success. I don't think anybody from Dallas is going to be 100% happy with the way it played out. Uh, yeah, I think if if every player out there were to wake up tomorrow morning, read a newspaper and say, uh, uh, for all you youngs and newspapers that <laughs> used to exist, and, and see that, oh, well, they got a point down in Houston, it'd look okay. But, uh, you know, I don't think Jesus Ferreira is going to be uh, terrific with uh, 33 touches and just one shot. I don't think Alan Velasco is going to be happy with uh, zero key passes. I don't think Facundo Quinone is going to be happy with uh, uh, the entry passes that just that, that didn't come off. Now, uh, along the back line, I think they did enough. Uh, Hector Herrera and Artur dictated the game in the midfield. But once it pushed into the final third, I think the back line was pretty good about uh, standing in front of shots, making sure the shots came from comfortable distances for Martin Paz to save. And in the end, you know, we, we're talking about a match that uh, – for a change, Dallas gets a result that Martin Paz didn't have to uh, be a superhero. He did make a great save against Escobar, yep. making himself big on the left post defensively, the right post attacking. Uh, I had a, he had a little fingertip on Kataskia late. I, I think that one was going high anyway, but I yeah, he got it, but he got a hand he, on he it. He got credit for a save. Yeah. I do think that was probably going to miss because, again, uh, Houston didn't show great composure in finishing, but they definitely – look, you, you and I were talking about the differences at halftime. They definitely had more of the attempts, and they had the better of the looks early. Oh, boy. I know that – Tumasi might have been offside, but Paxson Pomegal had the chance. And then Teenage Adebe, for, he had some miscues during the course of the night, but his defensive action to deny Pomegal what would have been, you said he was going to score, it looked like a pretty clear back post header. Uh, it was a good move by Dallas, 
And Hadebe made sure that Pomichol didn't have that because he gets that. He's not going to be like Ivan Franco and miss four or five headers tonight. He probably buries that one for his first goal in two years. Yeah, yeah, at the back post, I think Paxton does uh, does score that. So, uh, Tinech Hadebe is a, is a good defender. He's a uh, big part of the reason uh, that they have a, a good record. I know he's missed quite a bit of the season, but uh, they've got a good defense, and he's a designated player. He's uh, 28-year-old back there is a good reason that uh, they're one of the best defending teams at home. So, in that way, look, it's not, I guess, shocking that FC Dallas would come in and not be able to generate much offense. But still, at the end of the day, man, you know, Dallas getting uh, outshot, what was it, uh, it ended up being 17-4. to four. Yep. Uh, You know, that's – you just still wish that once they pushed into the final third, they could have made a few more things happen. But, again, look, at the other end, uh, they're, they're pretty good defensively. They're solid. I, I think what you would say sort of in sum about the game plan tonight is – uh, defensively, it worked. Attack-wise, uh, not so much. I'm curious, what do you think ends up being more important? That Houston gets 17 shots and doesn't put home a goal? Or that we're talking again in a post-game show about Dallas having minimal shots, four, four in general, two on target? Which one of those do you think is way more important? I, I guess considering it's a, it's a road game where Dallas was going to be okay with a point, uh, I, I guess that you'd say that's a little bit more important. And the other thing is uh, – it's just not a surprise right now that Dallas isn't able to generate a lot of shots. Uh, I mentioned before, so the last five games now, the shot totals are going to be seven, seven, eight, seven, and four. And uh, you know, for a team that that doesn't that isn't a high shot creating team anyway, to even go down below average, that's that's going to be pretty concerning. On the other hand, uh, job done. And, you know, we, we got to talk a little bit, guys, uh, about the road form because in a way, you know, quietly, slowly, it's the road form that's really keeping Dallas above the playoff line, I really believe, because now if, if you go back, what, five games, you get a draw in Seattle, you get a really a pretty good performance in St. Louis with 10 men, uh, you get to win at RSL. You get to draw in a tough place at Philly. You get to draw at a tough place at Houston. Remember, Houston is so good at home. So, you know, the, there's uh, the, between those games, that's what, uh, six That's six points out of those five road games. Anything above a point a game average is, is good. So those six points, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but considering the drop points at home, it, it's been really valuable. Now, Houston has played one more home match than Dallas has because of tonight. But they have 34 points through 16 home games this season in MLS regular season action. Dallas has 26. That's an eight-point gap. And you're you're right, Steve. Why is the road form keeping him in the playoff hunt? Well, two reasons. One, it's keeping him ahead of teams like Kansas City, who lost tonight at St. Louis. Minnesota forced into a draw. They're both at 38. You don't get a couple of those. All of a sudden, you're only a point ahead of them or maybe even tied. Austin is much farther down than that. But it's because Dallas's home form hasn't been spectacular. 7-3-5, and five, 26 points, as I mentioned. Plus seven goal differential, that's okay, but that's a step back from last year. Yeah, it, well, they, uh, it's a great point, Owen. They dropped 17 points at home last year. Pretty good, right? Uh, they have two point, uh, two games left at home. They've already dropped 19 points yep. this year. Uh, so, you know, and that's it's not terrible, but you just you, you don't like to see any kind of regression there. Uh, but, look, uh, we're talking about home form. They have 
two home games coming up, and we've talked about this, how uh, what I said a while ago, a while ago about it was is San Jose isn't good on the road and Colorado isn't good, period. So <laughs> so these are uh, – yeah, I thought that line was so good I used I it twice. It. I enjoyed right. it. Well, because I laughed you, again. You gave me confidence by laughing the first time. Hey, so I'm here for you, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, <laughs> so uh, having – Gotten a point in Philadelphia. Gotten a point in Houston. Now it's all about these two games. Sam Hill, you love to talk about must wins. Okay, buddy. Now, now we're in. Now, now we're here. <laughs> I'm giving it. We've to gone you to now. the fireworks factory. They, uh, you know, absolutely, positively have to get if they want to make the playoffs. Four points out of this, and they really need. They need to get all six. Well, if they get all six, then you're in the conversation of maybe sneaking into the mm-hmm. top four, but at least getting out of the out wild of the card eight, play-in game, which yeah. is that 8-9. Because a win against Colorado puts them at 44. That's what Houston has tonight. Uh, of course, they have Houston, Salt Lake, Portland, and San Jose all ahead of them in the standings. Vancouver just is underway, so they're in that mix as well. It's a bunch there, but the difference between ninth and third is not very much and Dallas does not want to be on the road. Like, for example, as it stands right now, they'd have to go to San Jose, a team that they can play with and maybe beat, but it would be a lot better if they didn't rest their entire playoff hopes on a one-off play-in game. Yeah, well, if you finish eight or nine, boy, you really, really, really want to finish eight. Yep. You know, not only because you get home field for that one, but because uh, then you're not traveling twice, you know, before you go on to the the next game. Uh, You know, the other thing uh, to comment on here is we're talking about playoff position and standings and such is as I look at this for weeks now, we've looked at Dallas with a game in hand or two games in hand. Well, by going to Philadelphia, you know, playing that midweek game when most teams didn't play, uh, they lost – they that was a game the, in hand. That was a game in hand. Now, they still have a game in hand on, on San Jose and Portland that's up uh, up ahead of them, and they're only one point behind San Jose. Uh, they're only two points right now behind Portland. Portland playing at the moment. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens happens with that. But, uh, but yeah, so now we can't even talk about that game in hand anymore. It just, it just gets so – it's tight, and it just keeps getting tighter. And, and that goes back to your original point, which is you must win your games against mm-hmm. Colorado at home and then San Jose. So a couple of good results tonight, though, for Dallas. Minnesota. Minnesota and San Jose drew 1-1. That's exactly what they could have hoped for there. Kansas City lost, so they're not creeping up the back of Dallas as much as they would have liked as they got hammered by St. Louis 4-1. That's in St. Louis at City Park. So that's good news for Dallas. But, of course, the big result is they got this point. So think about this. Just because of the last two road points, again, it's not sexy because they didn't get the win and they didn't make that three-point surge up the standings where they got out of ninth place. But they would be at 39 if they ended up empty-handed this week. Well, 39 is one point ahead of 10th place Kansas City. You'd really—I mean, they're sweating now. You'd be having heart palpitations with that. So now it just gives them that little bit of not only breathing root from 10th, which means no playoffs, and you get that win against Colorado and those extra two points. That means you're up at 44, and you may not be in that play-in game after next uh, week's Wednesday match. Hey, by the way, uh, another result that's uh, going Dallas's way right now: Colorado, Colorado, one zero up over Austin. Now that's that's in the 50th minute, so it's at uh, home for Colorado. It's at home for Colorado, and so that would be that'd be a great result for FC Dallas. Can you imagine Austin? Uh, hey, in the locker room, to get a, if they get beat by Colorado. Uh, you guys want to celebrate uh, Copa Tejas because you, you, you just won it, guys. Man, by, by losing at the worst team in the league, you've actually you've uh, claimed Copa Tejas. Congratulations. By the way, Colorado, while they are abysmal this year, they do have three home wins. 
They have one of one of them. One of them against Dallas. First, the first one was Dallas. But yeah. they are two ten and three on the road. If you do not take three points at home on Wednesday night, for shame. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Uh, another one that uh, is not going Dallas's way. DC United uh, at Vancouver. Vancouver up one zero right now in that one. But that's very early. Seventh if, minute. If I may, just ask you a quick sure. side note about Houston because you made a point earlier and you said, "Boy, their midfield's great. They've got some guys on the backs of the the mm. defensive line." You I liked. think I know where this is going. You said if they get a, a really world class striker, yep. they'd really be something. So Corey Baird is really the de facto leader in goal scoring because although Amin Bossy has nine regular season goals, six of six them are from the case. penalty spot. So Baird has seven goals. Mm-hmm. He's their guy. Mm-hmm. Again, all due respect, nice player. I, right now, Dallas would love to have a guy that's got seven goals because other than Jesus Ferreira, you've got Camungo and Obreon tied at four. This is a long-winded effort of saying Houston's getting somewhere and they may be looking for that next, as in next year, mm-hmm. but I just don't know if they've got the firepower up front. They wasted a lot of chances tonight. Yeah, but I, I really think they've got – Ben Olsen's got something going down there because very good defensively, not as much on the road, but, but at home, look, if you're – Dominant at home, you'll you'll make the playoffs. You'll find enough points on the road, and they have this year, I think. Uh, so very good defensively, terrific through the midfield, great and uncon- what they do, what they want to do, they're very good at it. Which is, you know, move the ball up the field, find a spot in the middle, and then they just get about five or six guys. They overload that that what we call zone fourteen, and it's just hard to track them. And then they just between Karaski and Basi and 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 uh, Achiache, they just sort of ping-pong their way through there. And, yeah, I really do believe that if you get the right kind of striker in there to finish and also to give you one more dimension because they do have some crosses mm-hmm. tonight, especially from the left side from Brad Smith, you give the, you get that one more way that you can score. And also they don't score in a lot of set pieces. So you get a guy that can be another set piece threat. Then, yeah, I think they're uh, next year they can really have something going. Down I think there. they're really something. Now, the Copa Tejas will be Austin's for the second straight year. Dallas won the first year. I know it's kind of a, a laugh. They'll celebrate in a nice parking th- lot. Uh-huh. Houston might be a real threat for that next year. Uh-huh. But you, if you get Karaskia in for the start, which he made an impact off the bench tonight, yeah. and you mentioned Griffin Dorsey, you know, Franco Escobar is okay. I think Dorsey really is bringing them some life down that side. If you start Quinones or if you have Brad Smith, they have options there. It's a pretty well-built team for a rebuild. It's a lot faster than you might. It's not like they're going to take three, four years to get themselves into maybe a contender. Yeah, but I do like what they did tonight. They recognized well, Escobar as a right back. He's really more of a left back. As a right back, is not going to give you a big push up that side, certainly not like Griffin Dorsey has been doing. So what they said is, you know, we won't even try it. We'll just completely overload the left side, so it's going to be all in the center and the left. And they created uh, a marginal threat. I They they. they it's really a funny game because they just absolutely controlled, ruled, boss, whatever word you want to use, the midfield, pushed the game into Dallas's end. It, it's like from from 18 to 18, they were terrific. And then from the 18 end, uh, they just couldn't quite uh, turn the key one more time to completely unlock Dallas's defense. They caused Dallas a lot of trouble in terms of uh, pushing into their area, made them work. But then they never really kind of finished the job. Uh, you know, it's one of these where we'd say they didn't they, they didn't have the last pass. They didn't have the finish. 
but I, I do also think a lot of that was Dallas uh, defending with three or five. And, you know, Nico Estevez got that part right. He said, we've got to defend narrow. We've got to be compact in there. I think if you defend with four across in this one, you, you, you probably are going to get leaky in there, but because you're defending with five across, now you have three in that interior area where Houston likes to attack. So I think it was uh, you. You call it bend but don't break, and I think they did that beautifully. Yeah, it really felt like that. I thought Junko was excellent in a role that he hasn't done a lot of, which is left center back of a back three. Um, interesting because earlier we were talking about Junko as the wing back with Farfan maybe being in that interior. I think it was a couple months ago they were thinking about something like that, and honestly. I think Junko's profile is better for that spot. Farfan's a great left back. I think it's fine that he's he's a little bit better up that wing. Not that Junko can't do it, but I, I again, he's not 6-3, but he's pretty solid. He's got a lot of muscle on his upper body. He can push guys around, and uh, I don't think you're going to see 3-4-3 against Colorado on Wednesday, but I'm not... So I'm just—they got what they got out of this. They what they wanted out of this match. And I think you're right, though. I think a lot of that was Junka. And look, that's twice this week that he's played a position we haven't seen him play this year. Uh, and I thought he was uh, actually quite good. I I thought the other day against Philadelphia, they probably were a little bit more. They certainly offer more up his side in terms of giving him opportunities to defend. Uh, tonight, he didn't even have that many opportunities. But I, uh, uh, when he did, uh, I thought he I, I thought he was just fine. Well, I'll ask one more question here before we briefly look ahead at Colorado and close this one down. Obviously, Colorado is bad. San Jose is bad away from home. You're expecting points. You have to get points, especially three. You know, four is probably the minimum you can get out of those. If if some people out there are saying, "Hey, I don't feel encouraged because the Dallas offense has been a little stuck since San Ho- since Salt Lake," is that a valid concern? And if not, why not? Well, it's absolutely a valid concern. Uh, I, you know, I, I read it a while ago, uh, you know, averaging seven shots. Again, I have to keep saying this so people don't get confused. That's not seven shots on target. <laughs> that's, that's total. Seven shot shots. Attempts. Averaging over the last five games now, that's going to drop a little bit after four shots tonight. You know, so now they're averaging, what, about 6.8 shots? Uh, you know, I, I want to say a major league soccer team is going to average uh, six point oh five. If I did uh, my math about, right, uh, okay. So about uh, the teams are going to be probably around thirteen, fourteen shots a game. So, you know, now you're talking about less than half of what MLS teams average in terms of shots. So you ask, is it a concern? I don't, I don't see how you could see it as anything else. Entering the match tonight, Dallas ranked twenty eighth out of twenty nine teams in the league in shots at. They had 299 shots. They were 27th in shots on goal with 101. Obviously, they added a couple of those tonight. And Sam's t- talk about corner kicks. 28th out of 29 teams in corners this year as well. And it's all to the same thing. They're not getting enough players forward to get into those positions, to create problems defensively, to then open the spaces to get those shots. They do well on counterattacks in transition, and that's really their biggest strength. But they're not in the run of play getting as many guys forward as they need to. When they do, like that far fun run, like Pomichol making a run, it causes some trouble, but we're not seeing enough of that, partly because they don't want to get exposed and then get caught on their own transition against. Yeah, so you can do it without getting a lot of guys forward. It's easier if you get a lot of guys forward, but you can do it as a a sort of a classic counterattacking team, but it's like they they don't – they've lost some identity that way. Uh, 
you know, if you want to be a counterattacking team, I'm, I'm fine with that. But you have to be really good at it, and you have to recognize, okay, here's our moment to counterattack, and you, then you have to go for it in those moments. But Dallas gets caught somewhere in between where they get forward on a counterattack, and then Velasco slows down and circulates the ball. Or, you know, they're, because they're not a classic counterattacking team, Velasco looks forward, and he doesn't see somebody making a, a good counterattacking run, or he doesn't see Ferreira maybe pulling away to draw center back out so somebody else can make the run. They don't have the, the counterattacking pattern play that some, some teams have. So if you want to be a counterattacking team, that's fine. But uh, right now they're sort of caught in between. Uh, they don't really want to be a transition team. But they get out in transition sometimes. Is this what we want to do? Or do we want to now recycle the ball? And once they recycle the ball, well, then they can't get back in because their strikers, you know, back here trying to help with the build. And so I, I, I just think it's what Nico Steva has told us a little while back, that they've lost a little bit of their identity, although I would modify that a little bit and say they've lost their attacking identity. It's still a very good defensive team. I mean, that you know, to go on the road – twice this week at Philadelphia at Houston two teams that uh, have you know that have great home records to go on the road only give up one goal and come out with two draws uh, on a a tough week when everybody's tired it's pretty good yeah Houston scores a lot at home so does Philadelphia you you basically just said that Uh, they lost Matt Hedges in the offseason and yet they have been able to be a still top five defensive club in the league that's a very good thing Martin Poss gets gets a, a clean sheet it's his Seventh of the season, but first since August 26th, which was the home match against Austin. So first clean sheet in a month for Poss. He deserves it. He made five saves tonight. His goals against and save percentage numbers are going to improve after not giving up a goal for the first time since late August. That's wonderful to see. And, of course, Steve Clark picks up his league-leading 12th clean sheet. He shares it with Stefan Fry, who also went into Nashville and got a nil-nil draw with Seattle tonight. So, Good for the goalkeepers. I don't think Steve Clark was called into kind of the, the saves that Poss was. I don't think Poss was called into the saves that he had to make in Philadelphia. But, you know, with his play, he deserves to have a few more of those clean sheets than he probably has. Uh, and by the way, uh, I, I think we should, uh, if, if we talked about a man of the match tonight, I don't really know that anybody stood out necessarily. Uh, Martin Paz with with the saves. I thought everybody across the back was really good. But yep. but but one guy I, I did really like tonight. Uh, Iadamendi has a team high eighty touches. Uh, uh, his passing accuracy is about ninety percent. But he's got five tackles, and, and I just saw him do what he does on defense, which is sort of pop up in the right spot, sort of being able to sniff out the danger, recognize danger, and 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 when he goes in for a tackle. You know, uh, whether he's sliding, he loves to slide tackle, or he's going in standing up, he, he's winning most of his tackles. I thought Yadamendi wasn't anything special on the ball tonight, but I thought he did a lot of really great stuff defensively. And, it, it, again, there's some other players doing good work defensively out there, but I'm not sure we look at Yadamendi as a guy that they brought in to do a lot of dirty defensive work, and yet there he was tonight. I think he did a lot of dirty defensive work. be an interesting discussion for what we see from Nico Estevez on Wednesday against Colorado because if he wants to trot Iata back out there in the midfield maybe you go with Pomichol at the start because he looked more aggressive a little bit more bright in attack he did well in Philadelphia Quinone had the match off did not play against the Union came in he was fine good defensively for the most part again too gives up too many passes in possession where you just like him to be a little cleaner he's not the only one we're not just picking on Quinone in this one 
But uh, you know what? The the storyline going into Colorado is obviously must win. But for the three days before that, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, it's all about rest and recovery because this is will be game six of seven in 22 days. They are, and saw it tonight, fatigued. The tank is not empty, but it's low, and they need to find a way to rest and recharge as much as they possibly can over the next three days to get ready for Colorado. Yeah, the good thing about uh, playing down in Houston is right now the team down there is uh, having a a, a quick meal. Uh, They'll be on a charter flight soon that's going to be, what, about a 45-minute flight? Yeah, probably about an hour maybe. And, uh, you know, they'll they'll arrive at the charter gate at Love Field, and, you know, there's a chance that – these players might even be walking into their homes at midnight, so they're going to get you know a pretty good night's rest as opposed to uh, flying uh, from Philadelphia. Flying time zone Philadelphia, change, yeah, Philadelphia. To, yeah, exactly. Time zone change, and then you uh, uh, end up walking into your bed at three or four in the morning. So, well, the future is ahead of Dallas here. They get a point tonight in Houston. Colorado is next in three days' time here at Toyota Stadium. FCDallasTickets.com. If you want to come in, it's a three-point Wednesday. Three-dollar beers, dollar hot dogs. Tickets are limited, but of course, if you can't be here, listen to us. We will be on the air at 7 o'clock with pregame, 7.30 kickoff against Colorado. That's going to do it for the postgame show tonight. Again, we will be back on Wednesday for a, a big match against the Rapids. For Owen Newkirk, for Steve Davis, I have been Sam Hale. FC Dallas draws the Texas Derby tonight. Nil-nil. This has been FC Dallas Soccer presented by Toyota on the FC Dallas app, Talk Radio 1190, and the iHeartRadio app.